What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. Today, we are going to hop into another Q&A that's going to come up here shortly. Before we hop into that, though, me and my wife, Clara, or my wife, Clara, and I, is that's a little more proper, just got home from a vacation. We went to... Where do we go? We went to Charleston, South Carolina, down in the south. So this is my first time ever spending a, a considerable amount of time on the East Coast, and it was amazing. The weather was nice. Clara is one of Clara's really good friends. My wife was in the Miss USA pageant a few years back, and she made some really close friends there. And so one of those friends, actually her best friend now, was getting married. So we went down for that. She's from originally from South Carolina. All of her other girlfriends showed up with their husbands, and we just went out and had a really good time. So I'm back. I'm fresh. This is why the podcast is coming out a little bit late this week, just because we got in super late on Sunday night. Yesterday, I just took care of clients, just did the the minimum because I was super tired. We got home super late on Sunday. So I did the minimum that I needed to just to have all of my ducks in the row to be able to set myself up for a successful rest of the week. So yeah, I don't get out a whole lot lately. And it's interesting because my quick story My mom keeps telling me that, oh, you're working too hard. You're working too hard. You don't ever go out. You don't ever do anything social. You're not ever putting yourself out there. You're just always working. Your mind's always on work. You need to take some breaks. And she's probably right because I felt myself this weekend as we're out and we're doing things. I don't put myself in social occasions very often anymore. So like going out to to bars and to restaurants and talking and meeting new people. I, I don't do that a lot on a social basis. I do it a lot on a professional basis, working with clients and whatnot, meeting new clients and helping them and things like that. But just to be friends with somebody outside of like a coaching relationship that's not a family member or a really close friend that I already have, I realize that I struggle in that area and have a lot of social anxiety because I don't put myself in those situations anymore, which is interesting. It's happened to me a few times now. And so I'm starting to realize I need to get out a little more often. I need to take my mind off of work sometimes to go out and put myself in those types of situations just to be able to grow further as a human. I think a lot of us have those things that might make us a little bit uncomfortable. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit socially awkward. It's not my favorite thing in the world to put myself out there with people that I don't know and put myself in those vulnerable or uncomfortable situations. It's just, it's not me. I'm an introvert at heart. And so it's just easy for me to stay in my bubble and do the things where I'm comfortable. And for me, that's coaching, that's doing social media, that's, it's just work. It's being in the gym. It's just my work. But to grow and be the best person that I can be, I realize that that is a big weakness that I have at the moment and something that I need to work on extremely. It's interesting for me and my wife because she's the complete opposite. When we go out and like we're in a new environment, it stimulates her. She's like she's at the top of her A game and, and is happy and vibrant and loves it. And for me, that's where like I kind of tend to shut down a little bit and get closed off just because I'm more of a shy, introverted type of person. And so we're opposites in that way, which is just funny how we attracted. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this story, but it's on my mind. Maybe it will help somebody to know that I know that there are some coaches that listen to this podcast too. And a lot of people won't put themselves out there to do these types of things, podcasts or post on social media or things like that, because you blame that you're introverted and you're shy and you're, you're insecure. And those are all valid reasons. I had those too. I still have those. When I go out on social occasions, I still have it really bad. But here, where I'm on the podcast, it's not as big of a deal because I'm comfortable with it now. Now, when I very first started, it was super uncomfortable. 
I was very insecure. I still am. Sometimes it gives me a little bit of anxiety, but it's it's an anxiety at this point that I can deal with because I know that I can do it because I put myself through those uncomfortable situations. So if you're that type of person and you're wanting to do this type of work, you're wanting to work online, put yourself out there, talk with people, coach people, you can do it. Don't limit yourself because of your insecurities and because you're an introvert or whatever it may be. You can work around that and get comfortable, but it just means you're going to have to be super uncomfortable up front to be able to truly make that happen for you to be able to become a coach that people can rely on, a content creator that people will respect and want to digest your content and different things like that. It is possible, but you have to start by being uncomfortable. And for me, my next step at this point I can feel is putting myself in those social situations more often to feel more comfortable so that I can start connecting and networking with more coaches um, so that I can start going to coaching conferences, fitness conferences, these different things that I know that I should be doing, but in reality, I stop myself from going a lot of the time because of that social anxiety that I get, and I know that these are things that I need to work through. So I'm basically just using this first part of this podcast, this Q&A episode, to go on a little bit of a rant myself about just almost like documenting journaling where my head's at right now after our trip with with friends and different things and just where my mind space is and knowing what I need to do to move forward to continue to improve because I feel like... When I first started coaching a couple of years back and started creating content, I was very paralyzed in what I was doing because of my limiting beliefs of myself. And I've proven to myself that I could get around that and work through it. And then this weekend, a lot of that kind of came back, if I'm being honest, and I almost paralyzed myself again over the weekend. If you're an introvert or that type of person, you'll get it. If, if not, you might be like, what is he talking about? But I'm just realizing that at this point, like I've, I've kind of con- conquered the the social media thing and putting myself out there and creating content and being confident in myself in that way. But now I need to move more to the social aspect of, of actually communicating with, with the unknowns, people that I don't know and getting comfortable being uncomfortable again in that sort of a scenario with networking and just friends in general. So, so yeah, something to know, maybe if somebody else is struggling out there too, this might help you if you're trying to become a coach, it is possible. Or if you're just trying to do social media for something else or not even social media, just make new friends. People deal with this kind of stuff. People have social anxieties. I am proof. I have them bad. I'm sitting here talking to you about it right now. So um, it is a real thing. You're not alone. Don't feel like you're weird or something. That's one thing that happens a lot of time. We'll feel like we're super weird for having those types of feelings or we get nervous and Really, it's it's normal. Everybody has their own normal. We all have our own different struggles that we are going through on the day-to-day. Your struggles are different than somebody else's struggles, but they're not worse than somebody else's struggles. They're just your struggles. So something to keep in mind. I hope this helps you. Without anything else, let's just hop into the Q&A portion of this episode. All right, question number one. I've been doing this challenge at our gym for the last four weeks, doing 1,800 grams of fruit and veggies a day. It's a lot of fruit and veggies. Good for you. I've been trying to get my protein to 180 to 200 grams a day and keep my carbs around 150-ish. Cows around 1,800 to 2,000 a day. Do you think I need more protein where I weigh 245 pounds? I've lost 20 pounds since the 6th of January, but I don't know if that's just from cutting candy and soda out plus watching my intake more. So do you think I need more protein where I weigh 245? You said you're eating around 180 to 200 grams per day. Honestly, you're probably okay. If you're at 245, you're probably at the moment at a little bit higher of the body fat um, 
on the body fat scale if you have a decent amount of body fat to lose. So when it comes to protein, really all that you need is enough to support your lean mass on your body. And so if you weigh 245, let's say if your goal weight was 200 to 210, eating somewhere around that amount of grams of protein every single day is going to be plenty. Where you're eating 180 to 200, you're probably okay. I'd probably aim for more of the 200 grams per day just so that if you're, I don't know what your goal weight is necessarily, but if you're 245, your goal weight somewhere around 200, eat somewhere around 200 grams per day because that's going to be closer to your lean body mass where a lot of people go wrong. Somebody came into the gym the other day and was telling me this. So they were in a supplement shop and Um, the person working at the supplement shop kept telling them that they need one gram of protein per pound of body weight regardless. And this person, mind you, was a 300-pound individual. They probably have a decent 100 pounds, maybe even more, potentially a little more to lose um, in fat. So for that person, it makes no sense to try to force down 300 grams of protein in a day, really, to get the best results out of the protein that you need to retain your lean muscle tissue, to potentially put on a little bit more lean tissue, and to keep you satiated. You just need around one gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. So that's why when I tell I tell you the, um, the ranges of protein, it's always between 0.75 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. If you're a heavier individual, lean closer to that 0.75 grams of protein per pound of body weight. If you're the leaner, aim closer to the 1 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight just because you only need enough protein to support your lean body mass. That person in the supplement shop that was telling that 300-pound individual that they need a 300 grams of protein every single day, even when they have over 100 pounds to lose most likely, They're just trying to get that person to buy a, excuse my French, but a shit ton of protein to help them make more money in that store or to get a, to get commission or whatever it may be. That's why I have a hard time listening or just be careful when you're in supplement shops or wherever you are taking advice from people. Just make sure you think about what their motivation is at the end of the day with the information they give you. If somebody's selling supplements, obviously they're going to put a lot more weight on supplements because that might be what depends on their paycheck at the end of the day. They might make more money if they can sell you more things. So just have your bullshit meter up a little bit to understand who's giving you the advice that you're taking. And so again, if you're around 245 pounds, if you're eating between 180 to 200 grams of protein, if your goal weight is somewhere between 180 to 200, 210 pounds, you're probably just fine because you're eating close to one gram per pound of your lean body mass So you're totally fine. Again, somewhere between 0.75 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight for people is going to be best. The more weight you have to lose, the closer you should be to that 0.75 marker. The less weight that you have to lose and the leaner that you get, the closer to that 1 to 1.2 grams of protein that you're going to need to get the full benefit of what protein can offer. All right, moving on to the second question. What would you suggest for a training schedule for me? I've heard you mention group fitness isn't where it's at, but that's my priority because I'm an instructor. I teach high Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I want to add in lifting for added strength. I'm three months postpartum, so working on rebuilding muscle, endurance, and of course, fat loss. All right, so you're a, a group teacher. It sounds You teach high, the fitness class called high. That's really big right now um, where we're at over here in the West. I don't know if it is anywhere else in the country, but here high is a the big thing at the moment. So that's cool. You teach it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 
I don't think that group fitness, let's, let's get this out of the way first. I don't think that group fitness is bad. If you enjoy, I own a gym. We offer group fitness at our facility. We do group fitness strength training classes in the morning. We do spin classes, cardio classes um, in the evening sometimes too. We offer these things too. I don't think that they're bad. My issue with them is if you're trying to create more definition, if you're trying to lose fat, if you're trying to build a little bit of muscle, if you're trying to create that toned look, just doing group fitness classes probably isn't going to get you to where you want to be because inside of group fitness, you aren't necessarily following a program that's going to set you up for progressive overload over the long haul, meaning you're adding a little bit of weight, you're adding reps, you're adding sets to always be progressing your training and your volume for your body to keep further adapting. Usually inside of a group class, if you're using weights a lot of time, it's light weights and you're just going for a, a burn or you're doing a bunch of cardio stuff, which is all great. But if you want to tone or build a little bit of muscle, you've got to overload. And that needs to come from a little bit more structured training with big compound movements like squats, like hip thrusts, like shoulder presses, and learn how to get stronger at those movements over time to further adapt your body to create the definition, the lean muscle mass that you want to. Now for a cardio burn and to enjoy some time with your friends inside of the group and hold you accountable, Group fitness is awesome. There's a time and a place for it. But I just think if you have goals of an improved body composition, I think you should be adding some strength training in. So this is a great question. Where you're teaching group two or three times per week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what I would do probably in your situation, let's see. So I'd probably add a strength session on, I'd probably just add in two strength sessions. If you're brand new back, getting back into it, I'd probably add in two full body sessions. So Two to three, honestly. So if you could do like a Monday, a Wednesday, and potentially a Friday. So Monday would be strength, full body. Tuesday would be just your class. Wednesday would be a strength session plus your class. Thursday would be just your class. And then either Friday or Saturday could be one more strength session. And the strength sessions don't need to be crazy. They just need to be full bodies where you're focused on some compound movements up front to get, just get stronger at. So like a squat, a hip thrust, a shoulder press, and a little bit of isolation type stuff, maybe a single leg squat. Um, just the, the basis movements for you to be able to get stronger at those over time. And again, I am coming out with a program here shortly that is a three-day full body. That's convenient that I just told you to do a three-day per week program. That I, that's not where I was going with this. So don't take it as I'm trying to sell you anything. But I am coming out with a three-day women's strength training program called FFD. It's Fit, Functional, and Defined, which is full body. It takes you through the big compound movements. And then it's got some of the added stuff in afterwards for your accessories, your isolation movements. And it shows you how to progress in those movements from each week. It has different progression schemes in there. So it has a double progression model and then it has a... A linear progression model. Just there's different models that you can use to progress, either through adding more weight each week, adding more reps each week, adding a, a combination of the two into your training. So that's what I would look at doing is probably three full session, full body sessions per week, or you could even do just two full body sessions per week. Focus on big compound movements, aim to get stronger at those movements over time, and you're probably going to be fine. But in those strength sessions, you're already getting in plenty of cardio in those group classes that you're doing. So you don't need to go into the gym and do a bunch more cardio. You're getting plenty of cardio in those group classes that you're already teaching. So your strength sessions, you should just be focusing on lifting. You don't need cardio in between. You don't need to go in and run on a treadmill or any of those things, really. You just need to go in and focus on the big compound movements and aim to get a little bit stronger at those every time. And again, 
start at your experience level. If you don't want to put a barbell on your back or you don't want to shoulder press, vertical press a barbell or anything, you're new, start with movements that fit your experience level. If you need to use machines to start out with, um, whatever it may be, don't go in and think that you have to do like these big squats with a lot of weight or anything. Start at your experience level, start at your strength level, what's going to work best for you and you're going to have the most fun with and be the most comfortable with as you begin. Form is first and foremost. So if you need to use a Smith machine or you need to use a leg press or like a shoulder press machine, these different machines that aren't going to have you using free weights right up front, that is completely fine. Start at your experience level, start to gain strength, start to gain a little bit of confidence inside of the gym. And then from there, you can start to increase and and get outside of your comfort zone a little bit and start to up your experience level and and get more advanced with different moves and and aim to get stronger and stronger. But super simple. A Monday, Wednesday, Friday, those main big compound movements for the body parts that you want to work the most, probably hit each body part in every single session. And that's a good spot for you to start. All right. Question number three, I've seen you post about time blocking your days a couple of times. What app do you use? I'm trying to be more organized and productive with my time. That is a great question. So all that I use to time block out my days is Google calendars. So each night, right before I go to bed, I think about my next day and what I have to do and I just time block it all out. And so what's nice about that is in the morning when I get to work, I can look at my list. I know exactly what I need to do in a certain amount of time frame. At the end of the day, all it does for me, I'm a very structured type person. If I don't have a plan to do things, I'll just kind of sit around and do a little bit of everything and not complete anything. If I have a structure and a certain amount of time to get certain things done in a day, I'm, I found that I am much, much more productive and can get a hell of a lot more done with that sort of structure, telling myself exactly what I'm going to be doing at certain parts of the day. So if you're the type of person that's kind of scattered, um, You'll sit down. You don't know really what to do. If you have a plan going into the day, you've just got to look at your schedule and it tells you what to do instead of trying to think up what to do on the spot. That's what happened to me a lot of the times. I would sit down and I'd have a million things to do, but I didn't know which one to focus on first. So I'd kind of not really end up getting anything done. But now I schedule out every single day. So it tells me exactly when and what to do throughout my entire day from seven in the morning to seven in the to seven at night. I have a time blocked schedule that tells me exactly what to be doing throughout that entire time, whether it is working out, whether it's working, whether it's my lunch break, it just works really good for me. And again, I do work for myself. So it's a little bit easier in this sense to set up my own schedules. And I, I dictate my schedule, right? I'm in charge of exactly what happens inside of my day every single day. If somebody has like a nine to five, or you're going to school, it's going to be a little bit harder. But outside of that, you can still time block if you're if you're trying to get more fit, if you're trying to meal prep, if if you time block out your times that you're dedicated to each thing, if you time block out the time that you're supposed to be working out and it's in your phone and you're getting notifications about it, well, that's just one more thing holding you accountable to doing it. If on Sundays you're supposed to meal prep and you have that time blocked out on your Sunday, you're probably going to be a little bit more accountable to doing it. And at the same time, if you'll time block this kind of stuff out, your important things of every single week, well, then you're going to have more free time too. And during that free time that you have to spend with your family, to spend with your spouse, your significant other, whoever it may be, your friends, you're not going to be stressed about the other things that you have to do because you know you have a schedule in place to make sure and get them done. That's what's helped me is what I found is I would be with my family at night and I'd be stressed out about all the things that I'm supposed to do and not, not really tried to remember in my head like, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. Now I can just go to my calendar and know it's already in there. So I don't have to sit there and remember about it so I can be more present with the time that I have with my family. Super convenient. 
if you're the type of person like me that gets scatterbrained, especially if you work for yourself and you have a lot to do in a day, time block it out. You'll get a lot more done. Time block your workouts, time block times for meal prep or time block times just for your meals when you're supposed to eat your meals and have those reminders inside of your phone. So it's telling you when to do what. It just makes life a million times easier. All right, question number four. This is going to be the last one that we answer today. I keep overeating and not sticking to my nutrition goals. Any advice? This is a common question that seems to come up a lot. And honestly, I like answering it. So first and foremost, what's your goal? And why are you trying to stick to it? What's the end goal? Why do you want to get to where you're trying to go? What I found is that if that why isn't strong enough and you don't know exactly the path that you're trying to take and the destination that you're trying to get to, it's going to be a lot easier to say screw it and eat freely during times because you're not as disciplined. You don't need to be disciplined because you don't necessarily know where you're going. So that's first and foremost, figure out what you're trying to do, what's your goal weight, what's your time frame, where are you going? And then you need to know how to get there, obviously, too. That's the most important factor to it. How are you going to get there? A lot of the times, if it's fat loss, unfortunately, we have to eat less to be able to lose fat. You've got to be in a calorie deficit. So that's first and foremost. Understand your why. What are you doing? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it to be a better person for your better parent? Are you doing it to live longer? Are you doing it because there's obesity in your family and you don't want to be sick? Are you doing it so because you're at risk of diabetes? What is the reasoning for it? And get really clear on whatever that reason is, whatever that why is for you. It's going to make you a lot more inclined to stick to your goal when times get hard because in reality, it is going to get hard. Nutrition isn't easy. It's not necessarily hard to know what to do but it's hard to consistently do it, especially when it comes to nutrition, especially when it comes to fat loss. You're going to have to deal with a little bit of hunger, a little bit of inconvenience. You're not going to be able to just go out with your family and order whatever you want whenever you want to. You can't just come home at night, sit down and grab a bag of chips and watch TV, eat mindlessly. You've got to be more in tune. You've got to know where you're going and why you're going there. And that's when you're going to be able to get more adherent with what you're doing. And then number two is... Inside of your house, if you have foods that don't complement your goals, get them out of your house. I had to talk with a client about this the other day. They were having problems with overeating too, just mindlessly. Just, well, I just, I just find myself grabbing food. It's like, well, why do you have that food in your house in the first place? If it's not food that's going to support your goal, what's the point of having it in your home? And then a lot of people will make the excuse, well, I have kids. Well, I have kids too. But for Charlie... She basically eats a lot of the same things that we eat. You can make your kids eat a little bit healthier. There's nothing wrong with that. You can make your husband or your wife eat a little bit healthier. They'll be okay because of it. I promise you, you don't need bags of Oreos. You don't need boxes of cereal. When I have boxes of cereal in my house, I am very inclined to eat them. I do it. And then I get pissed at myself. I'll eat two bowls of cereal at night every now and again. And after I'm like, I wasn't even hungry. I just ate it because it was convenient. And that's what we do. We'll just find random things to eat for no reason. We don't need it. We just eat it. At our house, at the, when we're in strict dieting phases, right now we're in maintenance phases where we're a little bit more free with our food. We're not so dialed in with our tracking because we're just maintaining our body. There's not a specific goal. And that's okay. You should have times like that too. But if, you're trying, if you have a goal of losing fat and you have a why and you're trying to get somewhere, you've got to be a little bit more disciplined. You've got to take those foods out of your house. 
You've got to just have the foods in your house that you need that are going to support you to getting to your goal. And if you have things for your kids, other foods that your kids are going to need, buy the kids' versions of those foods. You're going to feel a lot more ridiculous grabbing like Toy Story gummy fruits or, or just random things like that. Charlie loves Toy Story, so I bring up Toy Story. But just be smart about what you're doing. If you love Oreos, you probably shouldn't have Oreos sitting in your pantry if you have a goal of losing fat. For me, I love cereal. Cereal is my biggest weakness. I could eat it all day, every single day, boxes on top of another. So I know when I'm in a fat loss phase and in a calorie deficit, I'm counting calories strictly, I can't have cereal in my house because if it's there, I'm going to eat it. I've just got to get it out of my house. I clean out the pantries. Give it to your family members. Tell your husband or your wife to take it to work. Do something with it to get it out of your house and then make sure you're on top of your grocery shopping. Make sure you're always supplied with the things that you need to keep you on top of your goals. So you need protein snacks, protein bars, protein powders, all of your meats that you're going to need, good carb sources, things that are going to keep you on track. When you go into your fridge or you go into your pantry, there are only foods there that are going to support your goals. It takes away that battle that you have to have with yourself when you open up the pantry and there's Oreos sitting there, there's boxes of cereal or whatever it may be. Take those things out. Replace them with high-volume, low-calorie snacks. So what I do when I'm in a maintenance or a higher-calorie phase, I'll, I'll do some cereals. I'll have honeycombs in my, in my pantry just because honeycombs are high-volume for lower-calorie. You can do a cup and a half of honeycombs for only like 130 calories to where most cereals are three-fourths of a cup for 130 calories. So I can eat a bowl of honeycombs for 300 to 400 calories, and it fits within my calories each day, and I don't gain weight from it because I'm at a maintenance level. Now, when I'm trying to eat less calories per day, I get the honeycombs out of the house, and I replace that with with healthy popcorn, with 100-calorie bags of popcorn, and I'll do two bags of popcorn every single night that equals 200 calories, but is also a lot more volume dense and fills me up more than the cereal would because there's more to it and it's less calories. So it's smarter for me to eat that when I'm dieting and more hungry because it fills me up for a less amount of my calorie budget. So those are the big things. Figure out your why, figure out where you're going, get the crappy foods out of your house that are triggering you to overeat and then make sure your house is full of the foods that are going to support your goals and where you're trying to go. So I hope this helps. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would be super appreciative if you could take a screenshot, put it on your IG story, tag me in that IG story, and I will repost it on my own. I'll also send you a message for th- and thank you for doing so, as well as if you could leave this podcast a review down below. If you could leave it anywhere from a one to five star review, I don't care, whatever you think that it deserves. If you could do that, I would be super appreciative. If you're listening on iTunes, I know if you're on Spotify or some of the other apps, you can't do it. So if you are on iTunes listening, please, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review. If you could even take it one step further and leave just a short written review of, of your experience of the podcast, if you've learned anything, I'd be super appreciative of that as well. So thank you so much, guys. I really do appreciate you for tuning in each and every week, and I'll talk with you soon.